Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of life with IBD. We will hopefully make you laugh, cry, and probably speechless, like Sarah is most of the time when I'm telling my stories. So welcome to episode six of Pop to the Lou. In this episode, we're going to talk about mental health. We know that there's a massive link between gut health and mental health. So we wanted to explore it further, asking each other some questions on how we've coped with our mental health since we were diagnosed with IBD. Sarah, should we do our mental health and gut health check-in? Yeah, definitely. Um, my stomach is good. I'm still eating pretty minimalistic, probably having a little bit too much rosé on the weekends and <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night this week. But uh, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> Rice living the dream over there, Sarah. <laughs> Just a glass or two every now and then. Um, <laughs> and other than that, I know my iron is getting low. Like I can feel it and I've been getting more and more exhausted but I just really don't feel like getting an infusion. So I'm putting that off, which is stubborn and I shouldn't be doing, but. And we don't recommend. No, not at all. Um, but that's okay. So I will, I'll deal with that eventually. I'll, overall, my I'll send her an abusive message, basically. <laughs> that's how the, this, that's how this story will end people. <laughs> And I can't avoid you. <laughs> talk every day, all day. <laughs> Just block me. <laughs> and mentally, I have, I've been good. I feel like I've made some difficult decisions lately and set some really strict boundaries in my life, which aren't always the easiest thing to do, but I know it's the right thing. So I'm being an adult. <laughs> and carrying on and uh, making the healthiest decisions for me, both mentally and just overall, except for the iron infusion. So uh, <laughs> I'll omit that. That doesn't count. We'll, we'll leave that one to the side. Yeah. How are you doing, babe? Yeah, good. I'm starting to feel better after COVID now. So I'm getting my energy back, which is great. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, back at work this week and just, yeah, feeling so much better within myself, which is really, really cool. Um, and then kind of the opposite to you said, to be honest, I haven't drank because of COVID, um, because I just, oh my God, I couldn't have thought of anything worse. And I've just kind of carried on to be honest. And I feel so well. I, I, I mean, you know, Sarah, I go, I do about three months off booze a year, always have done for a few years. Um, and I really enjoy it. I, you know, I, I kind of do it for my mental health more than anything else, but I've got to admit every time I do it, my stomach is so settled, which is really annoying, <laughs> <laughs> but I have noticed. So I've been out with my buddies since kind of isolation ended and I have noticed how many alternatives there are like for alcohol-free booze, which is wicked. There's some really cool, like I love obviously lager or beer and there's some really cool alcohol-free like bottled beer there's like some clean gin which is really nice um I haven't yet tried the alcohol-free wine just because wine usually makes my stomach really bad anyway so I'm not particularly fussed but I'm really impressed with the alternatives they've got here in the UK which I think you know if you want to still go out and socialize but you know alcohol aggravates your stomach there are some really cool um alternatives out there now um, and I've noticed it on most menus. So I just have like a little Google of wherever I'm going and I just check it out, see what they've got. I've always done that with food anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I've really noticed it. So I'm going to carry on for as long as I can, but I am conscious that Christmas is coming up. So <gasps> I don't, hard. yeah, I don't think I'll be doing it for a full three months or whatever, but I've definitely benefited from not drinking the last month. That's really good. I'm proud of you. It, and it can be difficult. I did 10 weeks of no alcohol and it's so hard when you go out with your friends, especially yeah. I made the mistake of going to a vineyard this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do, that. do not do that. 
uh, I obviously gave in, um, so I had to restart it <laughs> <laughs> the following day. I was like, okay. Yeah, I don't uh, think I could go to a vineyard and ask for a sparkling water. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's really good, though. And how's your mental mental health? Yeah, good. I think um, because I'm just starting to feel a bit more up because I feel like I've got more energy again since COVID and I felt so fatigued during COVID. Um, I was quite shocked with how fatigued I felt actually Um, because I think I'm well because I think I'm used to feeling fatigued because of my Crohn's. I just thought I think probably all of us feel like this with an IBD. We're like, meh, we can deal with anything. Do you know what I mean? Because we've yeah. got IBD and, you know, we we smashed through, you know, horrendous pain and fatigue. and But I couldn't believe how fatigued I felt with, with COVID. So, yeah, the fact that I've got my energy back now, my smell and taste, you know, like fully back. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm back exercising, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do feel, feel a little bit better in, in, in how I'm feeling psychologically and stuff. Cause it's, it can be tough. I think, you know, I know I was joking about it last week about self-isolation and stuff, but you know, if you don't enjoy your own company or, you know, if you've got a partner and kids to look after, uh, or, you know, similarly, if you're on your own, it could be really tough. Cause I didn't leave the house for two weeks because I didn't feel well enough to, even though the kind of 10 day isolation period was over, I didn't feel well enough to leave for two solid weeks. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't like your own company or, or you know, if you feel really kind of isolated, it, it would be really difficult. So it would really, yeah, impact people's psychological health, I think, just to make yeah. people aware of that, you know. Um, but yeah, but we thought we would also do on top of this, our weekly gratitude, because I've noticed that we started off really well with our weekly gratitude and then we've forgotten to do an upload for a few weeks. I promise it's not because we're not grateful for anything. <laughs> we, we have just been up. so busy. Yeah, we haven't like said, oh, screw it. We're not going to, you know, do a weekly gratitude this week because everyone or the whole world sucks. But it's not at all. We just we've completely forgotten about it, to be honest, and not in a horrible way. But I wanted to do like a, a gratitude uh, uh, for people in particular this week from myself and Sarah and um, there are three people that we have met through the IBD community there are three people that really really make such an awesome impact on the IBD community they all raise awareness for the IBD community in their own way and they are Katie Craig and Ailish um, and they are just awesome their presence on Instagram is wicked and I yeah I can't thank them enough they've been really supportive since Sarah and I started the podcast I I speak to the three of them quite regularly um and yeah I I really really love what they all do they all bring something completely different to the table their profiles are amazing uh really raw really informative funny um and yeah I just can't thank you three enough and can't wait to have the three of you on the show um to tell your side of your story uh and it'll be yeah I just can't wait to have you guys absolutely thank you so much to the three of you as well as everyone else and the support and everybody that's reached out over the past few weeks it's been amazing to connect with people all over the world so we thought today with regards to our episode we were going to incorporate men's mental health awareness month discuss some of the ways in which Sarah and I have managed our psychological health through our IBD journey and mental health to me in particular is very very close to my heart and it's what I specialize in within healthcare so we had some questions Sarah yeah should I should we go back and forth yeah let's go for it okay so the first one um for you babe is what was the lowest point in your illness thus far which you think impacted your psychological health more than your physical health? Yeah, do you know what, Sarah? There is a moment that stands out for me personally. I'm sure everyone out there can relate to having just a point where they didn't really know whether they could carry on with the pain or the investigations or misdiagnoses or anything else that's kind of come from your IBD because there's so much that impacts so many different parts of your life. And I guess for me, 
I remember coming out of quite a stressful relationship and quickly moving in with a relative uh, many, many years ago. And I just remember the pain at that particular time that I was experiencing was so painful that the only way I can describe it is that it was just unmanageable. And I think at that point, I didn't know how I was physically or psychologically going to get through that pain. Um, and I think I've always, I've always managed my pain through breathing. And I think I just kind of established these coping mechanisms as we all do um, when we're experiencing pain from a young age um, and kind of, yeah, just... I think I either like held my breath when I literally, you know, there's pains when you're just bent over and you literally just can't breathe because that breath moves your body so much that it hurts even more. And I think I just remember being curled up on my relative's floor. Um, and I just remember thinking, I, I don't think I can actually breathe through this pain and I don't know how I'm going to manage it. And I think at that point, I, I, it's not that kind of the penny dropped or it was a light bulb moment that I had a serious illness by any means, because I knew how serious the illness was for a very long time because I'd had this pain for a long time. But at that point, and I think because I'd been under a lot of stress um, and in a really, really stressful environment, it had obviously made my stomach so, so bad. And I'd had a really, really bad flare up. And I think that was probably the lowest I've ever been in relation to managing my pain and symptoms and not knowing if I could um, and not knowing how to. And that's probably the lowest. So I think that was towards the end of 2007 and beginning of 2008, um, if I remember rightly trying to piece it all together in my head but that point definitely stands out that I thought the only way I can describe it and again I know everyone listening who's who knows this pain that I'm describing um I I just did it was so painful that I didn't know how I was going to get through it if that makes sense at all and that definitely for sure is my lowest point um, of my my kind of illness in relation to how I was gonna get through it yeah so Sarah you've spoken quite openly on I think on a couple of the podcasts about anxiety that you experience sometimes is there any way that you would advise anyone that to manage anxiety or is there any advice you could give in relation to your own management of your anxiety if I'm feeling slightly anxious, then I find journaling really helps and looking back on previous entries and seeing what I was anxious about at the time that never actually played out. So that kind of puts things back into perspective for me and it's really helpful. And then also I have gotten to the point in the past about a month or so ago that I was getting really anxious and ended up going to the doctor to get some Valium which is amazing. I'm sorry, I shouldn't promote drugs, should I? <laughs> no comment. But <laughs> I'm all for, if that's what your doctor thinks you need, um, getting some kind of medication just to calm you a bit. Because I knew like if I do get really stressed, it can cause a flare. So I didn't want to risk going into a flare. And just the amount of things I had on my plate at the time between studying, waiting for a visa to come through, not knowing if I'd be kicked out of the country any day, um, having done a big move, but an hour away, hour and a half away, made changes in terms of relationships with friends. And I, a lot happened within a very short period of time, plus work and having my own business and starting a podcast. Uh, this so is I giving me anxiety. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just had to handle it with medication for a short period of time, which I think is okay if you need to do that because it definitely helped me. Next question. Um, how do you manage feeling malnourished or dehydrated? Yeah, so this, this probably impacts me really badly. So there's an ongoing joke there. My friends that I traveled with a lot and long distances and for a long time, if they were here right now, they would tell you that they used to have snacks in their bag for me. 
get hangry. I get really moody when I'm hungry and really moody when I'm dehydrated. Like my office are aware of it. My friends are. Um, I've worked with friends before and they will literally make sure that lunch is ordered because I really do. I, if I don't eat regularly, because you know, you were talking about the intermittent fasting before, weren't you? And I, and I actually said, I would really struggle with that. Um, cause I'm like a proper breakfast girl as well. And et cetera, et cetera. I just, I, I'm, I kind of, it's not that I graze, but I do, I do have to eat quite a lot. Um, cause it does really impact my mood. So I think I do get quite agitated. <laughs> I think my friends would remove the word quite. <laughs> I get quite impatient and I get, um, I don't get low, but I do, I, I can get quite antsy when I'm, I'm not eating regularly. And I think, um, again, I'm, I, I have to be honest, I'm quite fortunate at this point in relation to my gut that I am able to eat a variety of foods I still can't eat a lot of veg and I still can't eat a lot of fruit like I said in last week's episode eating loads of fruit during covid just because I was craving it I just I was really ill do you know what I mean and you know so I, I wouldn't say I necessarily eat you know super nutritious food all day long because I can't you know if you look at the bloody plate of whatever it is and you know what you should be eating what you shouldn't be eating but I do I will kind of graze and 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 snack on quite bland stuff as well I in relation to being dehydrated when I was younger um, I I suffered from UTIs really badly so as a child as a teenager and in my 20s quite severely actually and they used to make me feel very very unwell um, and I was on antibiotics regularly for um, those UTIs. Um, so if anyone doesn't know what UTIs are, um, by the way, they're urinary uh, tract infections. And when I spoke to a nurse about the amount of UTIs I was getting, she actually was really lovely. And again, was one of those clinicians who kind of looked at the bigger picture. And she said that she felt I was quite susceptible to them because of my Crohn's and explained to me, because this is when I was a little bit younger, um, explained to me that because we don't absorb all of our nutrients or you know water that we're, we're drinking, you, you can become dehydrated. Um, and we probably need a little bit more water than someone without an IBD um, to, to get those hydration levels. Uh, so, and no one had ever kind of, you know, spoken to me about that before. So I did used to suffer really, really badly. And, you know, we know taking antibiotics isn't good for us um, and really impacts our gut further as well. So, yeah, so not, not um, eating regularly really impacts my mood, but also being dehydrated. I, I notice still now, Sarah, if I do, I drink a lot of water now. It's, it's something that's a massive part of my daily life. But if I don't drink enough water, I can usually feel a little bit, you know, towards the UTI coming. So I'm really, really conscious of that now. Um, but yeah, with, with malnourishment and dehydration, there's a hell of a lot that goes on my end. <laughs> and that can really impact my mental health. <laughs> How about you, Seth? Always have snacks around cats. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was told by a nurse before as well in terms of keeping really hydrated, especially with all the medication that they were putting me on. And probably at the time too, just because my veins were so difficult, they were always like, have you drank water today? I swear to God, I have <laughs> five liters. <laughs> yeah. Really being dramatic, but still. Yeah. By 9 a.m. <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely I try to stay hydrated. And in terms of food, so I love food. <laughs> but I actually, I was talking to friends about this the other day. I forget the whole conversation. But I've always had this thing where I was like, if tomorrow somebody said you can never eat again, but you will be healthy, I would do it. Yeah. 100% in a heartbeat. So when I get sick and I have to stop eating, mm. I will, um, I'll completely cut back. I'll eat barely anything, but it will impact my mood at times, especially when I'm going through something big. So yeah. I remember last year before I got 
my medication over, um, shipped over from the UK. And I was not really eating anything, the tiniest bits of like rice and avocado. Like it was minimal, um, maybe one meal a day. But I also had to move. <laughs> and I remember the day I was moving and just organizing all of it, getting everything in the truck. I was moving like another hour and a half away and just all of that stress. And oh my God, I thought I was going to break down because obviously your body needs food to function. So yeah, it has a huge impact, I think, especially at that point, I was like, wow, this is really impacting me. But like I've said before, at the same time, food has a negative impact on my energy levels. So it's all about like balancing mm -hmm. the two and more or less scheduling my eating at this point based on my schedule in life. And you said that you touched on that before, Sarah, when you were talking about corporate life, you actually felt it was better to eat at different times of the day so that you would be able to get through your meetings and stuff didn't you because Absolutely. that's a, that's the thing as well isn't it you know it's I think what people don't understand who don't have IBD for example and I'm not generalizing but you know what I mean is that they don't understand that you still have to function like we will still function whether it's work whether it's bringing up our children whether it's actually getting out of bed we all still need to function so actually if we can't eat even for a few hours or one day, which actually in the grand scheme of things for IBD isn't, it isn't a long time because sometimes we have to go for such a longer period of not being able to eat things. Like it's knackering. So if you, you know, if you ask someone else to not, I, I'll tell you what a good example is when my friends have had operations and they're not allowed to, it's their nil by mouth for a few hours before the op. Yeah. Well, it's like the world's ended. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting, isn't it? And usually it's like from midnight to whatever time in the morning, isn't it? And I always laugh. Well, what the bloody hell are you planning on eating at 3 a.m.? Like a roast dinner <laughs> or something, you know? But it's really interesting, isn't it? People say, "Oh my god, I, you know, I haven't been able to eat for however long and stuff." But actually, for us, it's quite common that we are in either so much pain, or we know we've got something at work, or we we have to do something with the kids that day, or we have to travel or whatever it might be. It might be a car journey. We're not going to eat just in case. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a really difficult one to balance, isn't it? Giving your, you know, feeding for energy and hydrating for energy as well, but also making sure that we're not going to make our gut, you know, go into overdrive and, and something happen. Like the thing that's supposed to fuel us and nurture us is the total opposite. And it's interesting, I saw, um, she's lovely. She's a, a girl that follows us and we follow her on Instagram. And she did some awesome stories this week and they were great. It was, um, people had asked her what people had said cures IBD. And she was giving some really funny examples. And I literally was pissing myself reading them. And it's so true. Like she said, fruit, someone had said fruit. And she obviously is, is replying really, you know, funnily, like, yeah, right, okay. Someone had said apple cider vinegar and she again was oh, like, God. okay, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> and it's so true, isn't it? Like everyone else that's like, yeah, have these foods. They'll be great for you. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to die in five minutes. <laughs> How would you say, Sarah, you would manage your mood swings? So it's not necessarily being malnourished or dehydrated but I mean linking in we're obviously two females that um have a menstrual cycle is there any kind of advice you'd give that helps with your mood say before you have your period for example or when you can't eat or when you're tired because we do we can have inconsistent moods which are so interlinked with our flare-ups yeah I think I feel like I know what I should be doing and should be answering. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say. I knew I shouldn't have asked you this. <laughs> <laughs> what I should be doing and don't do <laughs> is um, tracking things. Like I know it would be really helpful, but I don't track anything at all. Um, so yeah, I definitely should do that. And I know, do you want to answer this? Because I got nothing. I just feel it out. I'm like, I'm in a fucking bitch of a mood. Where's the rosé? Gonna make me sick. Where's the rosé? 
Okay, maybe we shouldn't be asking Sarah this question. <laughs> well, I've got a bit of a funny answer to this question because okay. if you are, if you asked any of my ex-boyfriends or probably closest friends, they'd say she does not manage her mood swings whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> She's a pain in the friggin' ass um, and really feisty. Um, how do I... <sighs> Uh, it's probably similar to you they said I know what I need to do but I don't necessarily do it so we know don't we before like our periods we always crave like carbs and sugar and all that really nice stuff and we know we shouldn't eat it because we know it's going to make us feel crap for the record um <laughs> my doctor actually told me my Chinese medicine doctor nice. that I was allowed chocolate because I was like I cannot there is, you can, no, I cannot give up dark chocolate. Like I need that <laughs> in my life. You can cut out anything else. And we did, we cut out like everything. Um, but he was like, actually, no, you can have dark chocolate. And like, not obviously don't overdo it, but uh, it, it does have some good qualities. So like to awesome. there for anybody. So. <laughs> but I, the only problem I find, so I've got, a, I've had a really sweet tooth recently, like since COVID for, for some reason, I think, because I ate quite a lot of sweet stuff during COVID. It, before COVID as well oh yeah that. my brownies <laughs> <laughs> not to call you out on that that's okay. lying to myself here I do, I do recall <laughs> yeah do you know what scrap that I'm lying guys I've had a sweet tooth for ages um, we clearly do not have life figured out if anybody's expecting us to have all the answers yeah I think probably though with okay in relation to consistent moods I would say though, and I know I'm going to sound really boring, but it's reducing those really bad coping me mechanisms that we automatically go to if we're feeling like shit, because we know in the long run, they're not going to help. So not to make you feel bad, Sarah, <laughs> but <Come> I know, <laughs> but I know if I'm feeling a bit shitty and I really do fancy a drink, I know that's not going to help me. So I think I'm probably good at managing that because I just know alcohol for me is not good if I'm not feeling too sharp um but I guess with with managing my mood again it's eating regularly um loads of water and oh my god my absolute savior in relation to my mental health again this awesome girl it was really funny she'd put this um other answer that someone had told her that she needs to exercise and do yoga and she was like oh for god's sake this isn't going to cure ibd and it's so true but for me like exercise and yoga is amazing for my mental health and i guess that would help me with my inconsistent moods but sorry to everyone out there that has to deal with them <laughs> <laughs> so sir this one's probably more for you because you've been on more medication than me so i'm really conscious that medication comes with a load of side effects which I've said before creates so much psychological and physical extra health conditions on top of what we're dealing with so how would you say you dealt with your side effects of your medication which would naturally have really impacted your mental health such as for example you had hair loss with chemotherapy and you also had significant weight gain with steroids and there too awful side effects these are really hard because I don't feel like I'm the picture of how to hand handle anything like I don't feel like I've handled I've made it through so I guess I uh somehow handle it okay still here I'm alive um but other than that I I feel like I just need to experience the emotions like even even when it's not a good emotion even when I'm like having a breakdown I just need to experience that and let it pass because if I suppress it, like it's going to come out at some point. I think I may have said this in my episode, but when I had, when I was quite bad, like I was so focused on just making it 24 hours and that's not how I live my life now. Obviously I have goals and I have ambitions and things I want to accomplish. I know I what I want my life to look like 10 years from now. But in those moments, I couldn't, I couldn't think longer than 24 hours, which kind of makes it more manageable because you're breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. So I just, I wasn't worried about what was going to come in the next seven days, three months, so on. It was just making it through, what do I need to do? to get to tomorrow morning 
and continuing that cycle. And for me, it was having an alarm on my phone, reminding myself that I could do it. And it was just feeling the emotions. It's kind of weird though, because you're on all this medication and you're in so much pain and you're so weak and anemic and everything else. Right. You, I was, sorry, I was experiencing all of these things all at once. So your mind is also just not there for me. Um, I wasn't, I felt like I was drunk all the time from the steroid. It's not like wasted drunk, but I just was in a haze from the steroids and from being anemic because you're so tired. Like I was so pale and I just, yeah, you wouldn't recognize me at all. And obviously I had the huge like weight loss and then the weight gain and it all happened relatively quickly. So I was just really focused on the next 24 hours. I think now when I start to experience a flare, I kick and scream. (laughs) I don't know. I, I am just as frustrated as the next person that this is what my life is and that I can't get rid of it, but I have no choice. So I carry on and yeah, I don't know, but I think that's a really good answer. And I think you're right. You're you need to concentrate on the present day, don't you? Not worry too much about tomorrow or even tonight. It's, it's when you, when you feel like that and you feel that bad and even that low, because those things all come together, don't they? We know physical health and psychological health are so intertwined. It's it's focusing on the next few hours, isn't it? And I think that's what's really important for everyone to remember. Yeah, I guess that's one thing for mental health for anybody is being in the moment. And I guess essentially that's what I was doing because if I was worried about would my clothes still fit me when I got out of the hospital or what am I going to look like when I see my friends again or any of that, then it would have caused so much more stress, like worrying about the future situations and how I was going to handle it. But I guess being in the moment and taking on these massive obstacles, um, one at a time to cope with it. So really interestingly, Sarah, I was doing a bit of research on uh, mental health and Crohn's and colitis. And the latest figures show that three out of 10 individuals with Crohn's or colitis are on antidepressants to manage anxiety or depression which is a really high amount I think because obviously when you've got depression anxiety concerns worries about your physical or psychological health you can go a few routes so medications obviously one therapy is obviously another a bit more of a holistic treatment is another etc etc so I think we were going to kind of lightly touch on on therapy so I have had therapy many years ago um, and I found it really, really helpful. Um, I think that everyone would really benefit from therapy. I think it's a really awesome way of understanding yourself and why you react in certain ways. And it kind of pulls pulls your childhood alongside your present day self uh, together and you kind of work on your kind of response to things. So I think when you have a physical health condition such as an IBD, uh, which also can in turn impact your mental health, and you obviously have additional kind of um, environmental factors that are impacting your mental health as well on top of your IBD, I found therapy really useful. Um, I'm trying to think of when I had it now. It was it was quite a few years ago now. But yeah, I found it really, really useful um, and again, I feel that there's still con- kind of a stigma around it. And I think it's, I think it's just, you know, one of those topics that should be talked openly about and no one should ever feel less of a person for wanting or having therapy. I think it's just, yeah, I, I, I cannot, um, I can't think of the word now. I cannot promote it enough. Uh, I think it's, it's a really good avenue to take if you if you if you want to talk about certain things and also we have to remember like talking to our family and friends doesn't always help (laughs) we we love our family and friends but you know sometimes they tell us what we want to hear sometimes they genuinely don't understand and actually talking to 
someone really objective and you know whether it's a clinician or a professional or whoever you, you you source therapy from because there's loads of forms of therapy as well therapists can also be quite provocative in your way of thinking so they'll challenge you in quite an appropriate manner and I really like that and it yeah. it, it naturally makes you get out of your comfort zone so and to not des- not not necessarily a different way of thinking, but actually thinking, oh, okay, I'm reacting to that person or that situation in that way. But actually now, I've spoken to someone objective. I can now see the other person's point of view or the situation's point of view. You know, um, yeah. so I would always recommend therapy. Don't necessarily have to go to a psychiatrist or psychologist who can be very pricey per hour. Should you be going private? I mean. There's other forms of therapy that you can go down the route of and, you know, things like coaching, et cetera, that kind of get you back on track to, to how you're feeling psychologically. Um, and they're a little bit cheaper and go about things in a different way, but I still think have a really good place. One key thing that you said there was having somebody outside of your immediate circle to talk to. And I think that could definitely be beneficial because sometimes you just and we've said this before that you become like the five people you spend most of your time around. So they're really just going to be reinforcing your current beliefs and the way you're thinking. (laughs) If you can have an outsider's perspective or talk about things that you don't feel comfortable sharing um, with that immediate circle, then it's definitely an alternative option. We were going to just discuss the flare-ups and the impact the flare-ups have on our mental health. And again, it's a complete spectrum, isn't it? But actually it impacts so many aspects of our life. So if we think about the side effects from the medication we're taking, like for example, yours from your loss of hair to your weight gain, you know, that impact on your body image and you know how that can impact us. This is awful. I get really bad skin when my stomach's flaring up. Um, I'm assuming because I haven't got many nutrients in my body and I'm dehydrated and all those things usually give good skin for people and I can have really nasty breakouts and I know that really impacts my confidence you know on the other end of the spectrum people lose their jobs people are signed off sick that impacts your finances etc etc your ability to go away your ability to even get out of bed your ability to be a good parent partner relationship breakdowns etc etc and I think that's what people forget sometimes those flare-ups however short or however long they can really really impact so many aspects of your life which are all again really in in tuned with your mental health as well isn't it and I guess it's that how do you get that confidence back how do you make sure that your IBD doesn't impact your mental health so much that it is untreatable as it were because that's really hard yeah definitely have I I just really depressed you (laughs) I just don't know what to say. Well, I think it's it's that again. How how do we stop the, that physical health impacting our mental health? And I guess we can't. It, that's that's the crux of it. We absolutely cannot. But again, it's being able to do what you possibly can in that given time. So if you can you know, rest up and actually not have any stress and actually take some time off work and actually do something really, really good for you, whether it's reading a book or literally just having a cup of peppermint tea and having a lovely bath, some Epsom bath salts, anything like that. Like, again, that only helps you for half an hour, but hopefully that will kind of give you some kind of, I don't know, relaxation and distraction from this, you know, really, really, really testing and challenging illness that we have. It's really difficult though, isn't it? Because there's so many things that are impacted by our IBD sometimes and they can be everything. It it impacts every aspect of your life. And I guess, again, I feel like I'm one of those people that just needs to feel my emotions or completely cut them off with medication. But (laughs) I... I've never been, and I have the most darling of friends. One of my friends, every time I'm upset, she's like, just go take your shoes off, go get grounded. And I'm like, I'm get grounded. <laughs> Fuck you with your yoga and meditation. <laughs> Literally, or she'll be like, babe, just have a hot shower or cold shower, whatever it is. And it's on it. She's going to be laughing right now, but <laughs> it's like the best of intentions, but yeah sometimes you just need to kick and scream and not literally but literally if you would like to 
and let out that frustration because I think sometimes trying to suppress it can only make things worse and trying to pretend like it's not happening will make it so much worse. Like for instance, the hair loss aspect, um, I was so upset. Like I just remember, and I did not lose, I stopped the medication before I got to the point that I had lost like enough that people would really be able to tell, but I could tell I'd be washing my hair and like clumps were just coming out. And I remember talking, talking to my mom about it and she trying to fix the situation. And yes, it was a fix was like, don't worry about it. You need to be on this medication. We can get you a wig if needed. Well, and I lost it. Like I was just so, I don't know if I hung up on her. I probably, I would never, but, um, I was not wanting to hear it because I'm like, I need to be upset right now because this, this is so frustrating. This is so important to me in that it's part of my identity. It's part of me that I, another thing that I'm now losing because of this disease, um, I definitely just needed to be upset in that moment. And was she right? hundred percent. And, oh, obviously everything turned out fine. And I needed to be on that medication at the time and I needed to deal with it. But sometimes you just need to have those tantrums. Well, it's not a tantrum, is it? I think you, it's really hard when you're, when you're either like in crisis or chronically ill or can't breathe because you're in so much pain, you can't be logical. Mm. You can't think, can you? You can't, oh, okay, thanks, mum. Yeah, you still think I'm beautiful, great. I feel like shit, (laughs) like literally, isn't it? And I think it, I think as well, like it's not giving yourself a hard time. If you're having the shittest day or the shittest month or the shittest year, which I'm sure every fucker had in 2021 (laughs) and 2020, I swear this has been a worse year than 2020. Um, you know, it's actually not to give yourself a hard time. Like, yeah, you've got an IBD. It's really stressful. It's really challenging. We've been through COVID. It's really stressful. It's really challenging. It's been an absolute shit house. And it's just to actually, yeah, not give yourself a hard time and reach out, like surround yourself with that community. The IBD community are absolutely incredible. I have to say they are so awesome. And I would just say to everyone, if you even reach out to anyone on Instagram or, you know, become even closer so that you share numbers, whatever it might be. Again, it's a bit like, I was talking to my friend about this yesterday with my goddaughter. She's just given birth. You know, there's no point in her talking to me about mum stuff. I haven't got a clue what she's yabbering on about, you know? (laughs) And it's the same with IBD, isn't it? Like you reach out to your friends in the community that know what you're going through because you're least like I think you're least likely to be frustrated with their answer if that makes sense because you know they you know that they know what you're going through so when they advise you they're obviously going to give you that advice that they wouldn't mind hearing themselves do you know what I mean and I think that that kind of mutual level of respect is naturally there so just reach out and literally everyone that we've met so far has been absolutely incredible it's such a cool community and the awareness that is spread is just amazing. How do you find, okay, so obviously being in Australia, we're going into summer, which if you can hear the fan in the background right now, I'm sorry, but I'm <laughs> dying. It is so humid and so hot. Um, if you can hear my central heating in the background, <laughs> it is so cold. <laughs> I would trade you right now, uh, only for a moment. And then... Uh, cool off and come back to the beach but going into winter in Europe obviously and North America how do you handle those months because I personally I technically am in Australia because I was avoiding winter of 2019 and then the world shut down but for a good few years I would just travel and avoid winter altogether in every country so how do you manage that babe Yeah, it's a really difficult one. So quite a few people I know really, really struggle in the winter months. So at the moment in England, it's getting pitch black by 5 p.m. So the nights have completely drawn in really, really quickly. I'm also really conscious there that this is a really difficult time of year for people. I always notice people's mental health deteriorates towards this time of year because you've got to remember we have should you celebrate it we have things like Christmas coming up and New Year's and actually a lot of people don't have plans 
and it's it's a really depressing time if you're not in contact with your family if you haven't got loved ones to spend those days with and I think there's a lot of pressure you know there's all the adverts are on the tv everything's in the supermarkets you should be having a great time also people with ill health you know physical and psychological health it's a really difficult time because you're expected to eat and drink and be merry you know and actually if you're depressed or have real struggles with eating etc etc it's a really really difficult time to kind of put on that facade isn't it um so I don't have any advice for this time of year I I guess it's that it's that time of year where everyone might feel that everyone's really excited about it but it's not so please be aware of that it's so true like I I never understood I knew a lot of people that hated Christmas over the past few years like I've encountered a lot of people that either hate it or really don't enjoy it and luckily I was fortunate enough to never have a really bad experience or bad memory with Christmas until a few years ago and then this is actually going to be my fourth Christmas away from home which I just never imagined and I I've been away from my family for over two years now due to COVID and the visa situation and traveling and everything else so yeah I I'm just planning to pretend like it's not happening this year and luckily for me I'm in Australia and having grown up in Canada I mean Canadian it just doesn't even feel like Christmas here like yeah I'm sorry like it never feels like Christmas when there's you've got a fan on (laughs) yeah an air conditioning (laughs) 32 degrees and humid. Uh, it only, I, the only time I like snow is Christmas Eve and Christmas day. So it definitely never feels like Christmas here, which is good, but it's also really hard. It's going to be, well, I have my birthday and my brother have the same birthday on the 20th of December. So really close. And then it's obviously Christmas and then it's new year's. So it's not a great time of the year. And this year I'm literally dreading it. And I have had friends, bless them, be like, come and spend it with us and our family. And I actually don't want to because I feel like it will be harder or would be harder to be around a family than to be alone or like go to the beach or something like that and pretend like it's a normal day. Because I just don't feel like seeing, I'm happy, obviously happy for for everybody that is (laughs) is able to go and be around their family, but not having that option myself, unless I completely give up my entire life in Australia, I can't leave the country. So yeah, it's hard this year. I just kind of want to skip over to January 2nd. And I think that's been quite common for a couple of years, like you said, because of COVID, my friends who live abroad, who, who don't live in their home country anymore have really struggled the last couple of years because they haven't seen their families. I think this Christmas seems to be the first slight flexibility with travel um, with some countries. I mean, still Australia is not on that list, babe, really. Um, and I think it's been, yeah, it's been a really difficult time. I think I would just always remind people to check in with people. That's like, I mean, Sarah, you, you've been friends with me for a few years now. Like I just constantly check in on people and constantly text people I'm like herpes I never go away (laughs) I mean I would never say that about you (laughs) what analogy um I'd like to confirm I do not have herpes I've just (laughs) likened myself to herpes um I I'm just really conscious maybe because of what I do for a living that even if people are presenting a certain way on social media and I don't know, sound a certain way, they may not be okay. So I, that's, I think why I constantly check in with my friends. Um, yeah. And I always have done. And yeah. So I think, you know, during the winter months and during Christmas and things like that, I would just always say, check in, check in on your loved ones and also check in on people that you might've just met. You know, you never know what people are going through. Check on your neighbors as well. I think with the winter months, they're really, they're really difficult for people. Um, it's little things again, isn't it? I know some of my friends' parents and grandparents can't drive in the dark. So they're quite isolated after a certain time. Some people won't walk in the dark, et cetera, et cetera. And I think people forget about things like that. Some people get very depressed when there's less amount of light within the day, less amount of sunlight. 
And you know, what's actually really good. I've never had one. Um, like I said, I just traveled to avoid it. Although if it does make you feel better, the sun always goes down in Australia at like 5, 6 p.m. It's torture. <laughs> no matter what time of the year. I was going to say, when you, when you were talking about going to the beach on Christmas Day, I was like, sounds really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but they have those lights, like I forget what they're called, but a sunlight of sorts. And they can be like a world of difference. They're the seasonal effective disorder ones. Yeah. 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 So having that, um, especially in Canada, they're quite common and you can just have them in whatever room you sit in the most. And, um, I think, I don't even know how long you're supposed to sit in front of it each day and absorb that light, but it can Mm. be really good. So I would say if you are really impacted by the time changes and even living in London, like it was quite difficult because it's, it's not only the darkness, which I have here and you just kind of get used to it. But it's the rainy, gloomy weather, yeah. the cold, all of that. Like, it's just, it doesn't encourage you to want to leave your house and engage no. with people as well. Like, you become more isolated and you're spending so much time inside. So yeah. it, it definitely has an impact. So if you if you are really struggling, then I would say look into that option because I've heard really good things from people that I know that have used them. I, I think to conclude with this episode it's really important for everyone to be really really aware of their mental health and that's really really important and I think when your psychological health is getting unmanageable please reach out and please use those appropriate services that you need to use contact your GP you know get those referrals it's really really important so that you're not doing this on your own And, you know, I'm a big believer and I've seen some really funny, humorous posts about this. And it's so true. You can eat the right foods. You can exercise. You can sleep for eight hours a night. You can manage your stress. You can cleanse all those dickheads out of your life, but you can still feel like absolute shit. And it's really important that you could have done everything in your kind of control to make yourself feel better. And when there's the uncontrollables or things outside of your control that still are impacting your physical and psychological health, please, please reach out. Um, But thanks so much for listening. I hope we've answered some questions around the gut health and mental health and some things that can impact our mental health. And hopefully, I mean, I don't think we've offered much advice whatsoever, but hopefully you can feel reassured that you're not alone in feeling this way which I think is really important for people to to realize really looking forward to catching up next week we've got some awesome interviews lined up with some amazing people and hope you guys have a wonderful weekend love you lots